essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Wrestling fans, and welcome to another edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. My name is Sean, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. Thank you each and every week for joining us, whether you're listening to us on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, or any of the other locations you get your favorite podcasts from. Be sure to like and share so your friends can be up to date with the latest episodes and you'd never miss an episode yourself. On this week's episode, we're going to do a lot of looking back at results from Smash Wrestling and all the WWE results, including NXT TakeOver, War Games, and the Survivor Series. I'll be right back after these short messages. Are you looking to get into the wrestling business? Well, look no further than the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory, located right here in London, Ontario. It's... Tyson has over 20 years of experience in the wrestling world, and he's even been brought down to the WWE Performance Center to be a guest trainer. We've already seen the likes of Jordan James, Kyle Boone, Violet Lee, Jim Strider, Pharaoh Bowman, Chris Mitchells, and many more. Plus, the new generation that are coming from the second group, such as Josh Pine, Shiloh, Nova, Frankie War, and many more. You don't want to miss your opportunity to learn from one of the best in Ontario, if not all of Canada, or the world, in Tyson Dukes. So that's the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory. It's open Monday, Wednesday, and Thursdays, and located at 309 Exeter Road here in London. This is Jim Strider, live from the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back to the show. As always, I'd like to start with Smash Wrestling, keeping it local first. Smash Wrestling was in St. Thomas last weekend at the Joe Thornton Arena. There was a few changes to the card, contrary to what I was previewing and predicting on my way to the show on the last episode. Either way, Smash Wrestling put on another fantastic show with a lot of great action and some really good fans came out to support them in St. Thomas. The following are the results of that card. Carter Mason ended up going one-on-one with The Muscle and beat him. Psycho Mike Rollins' match got turned into a three-way, including Corey Stone and Dylan Andrews. There was a challenge of whether or not Psycho Mike could do just a simple body slam. They finally got the body slam in, and he did it to both Corey Stone and 
Dylan Andrews, and picked up the victory. In there was a tremendous tag team battle involving the tag team champions, Halal Beefcake, as they defended their titles successfully against the Revolt. The Revolt have had a couple opportunities to take the titles off the team of Halal Beefcake, but have just come up short each and every time, whether it was in Midwestern Wrestling a few weeks ago in Listowel or just last week in St. Thomas. Those guys are going to get so close that it's going to happen eventually. Ethan Dukes took on the latest graduate from the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory, Brett Perry. Unfortunately, the size and ability of Ethan was too much for the inexperience of Brett Perry, and Brett even slipped on the second rope attempting a crossbody. Dukes ended up picking him up and hitting him with the running power slam. Brent Banks and Tarek of the Pillars were not in a joking mood as they took on Baywatch. They were not impressed by the lifeguard skills of one Joshua Pine and the surfing skills of Kyle Boone. The main event saw a classic teacher versus student encounter as Tyson Dukes went on to defeat his own student, Michael Grayson. Grayson did hold his own for a good 20 minutes, but wasn't enough to defeat the teacher, because usually the teacher knows still more than what he taught the students. Top to bottom, this card was really exciting and a great uh, way to present yourself to a building audience such as St. Thomas. Hopefully the crowds continue to grow and St. Thomas becomes another stop with the Smash Wrestling Tour. Speaking of the next stop on the Smash Wrestling Tour, that will be December 15th, right here in London, Ontario, at the London Music Hall. It's their Christmas party, and they've entitled it, Remix You a Merry Christmas. We here at the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast are putting together a large group of people to come and attend this Christmas party, and we want everybody to come out. Be sure to contact me, whether it's through our Facebook page or email me at scumbagswrestling at gmail.com to be a part of this show. We want families out there, children, wives, husbands. If you're a wrestling fan or want to share your wrestling fandom with your loved ones, bring them out to this show. The card is stacked from top to bottom again. You can't go wrong. Three title matches are on the line along with four other matches. I'm going to run those down in just a moment. Smash Wrestling's gift to everybody, regardless of you being with us or not, is $10 off seats. You can't go wrong. So VIP, starting at $35 for Row 1, which are currently sold out. Row 2 is $30, and all general admission seats are $15. So don't miss out on Smash Wrestling for Remix Your Merry Christmas, happening at London Music Hall on December 15th. Running down that card, as I said, starts off with a nine-person gauntlet match featuring some of the students from Tyson Duke's Russell Factory and maybe a few other extra surprises. Then, Psycho Mike Rollins is going to go against the Wavemaker, Kyle Boone. Cody Diener goes one-on-one -on -one with Sebastian Suave. Tyson Dukes takes on Tyler Turva. Then, the women's title will be on the line in the first title defense for Rosemary. She defends against... Alexia Nicole. 
The tag team titles are on the line, and Halal Beefcake will once again meet the tag team of Alec Realm and Jordan James, the Revolt. Will this be the opportunity that the Revolt need in their hometown to take the titles off Halal Beefcake? You'll have to wait and see on December 15th. Then, the main event for the Smash Wrestling Championship, Kevin Bennett defends against Andrew Everett. Will Kevin Bennett finish the year as the champion? December 15th will be that true test. So come on in and join us for Remix You a Merry Christmas, London Music Hall, December 15th, doors open at 4 p.m., first bell at 5. You don't want to miss this great show to finish off the year. If you're looking for other wrestling action in the Ontario area for next weekend, it all starts on December 5th with CWE Live in Toronto featuring Juventud Guerrero. Then on Friday, December 6th, CWE is in Ottawa, and Hoobie is going to be with them for that show as well. Also on the 6th of December, Wrestlers Union, which is Anthony Kingdom Jane's organization, is presenting Animal House at Trazak Club in Toronto. On Saturday, December 7th, Crossfire Wrestling, Jingle Bell Brawl, happening in St. Catharines. Barry Wrestling is presenting Festivus for the Wrestlefuss. Happening in Barrie, Ontario, you'll see Von Vertigo taking on Brent Banks for the championship. Kevin Blackwood versus Scotty O'Shea in a TLC, Tinsel, Lego, and Canes match. BMD, Kyle Boone, and Puff all face off against each other for the Three Pistols championship, plus many more matches. On Sunday, December 8th, Championship Wrestling Ontario presents Twas the Fight Before Christmas at the Rockpile in Toronto. CPW presents Extreme Behavior happening in Hamilton. All these and many more events happening throughout Ontario happening next weekend. Hey wrestling fans, join me each and every Friday on our Facebook or YouTube channel for the production line. I stop by the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory and catch the stars of tomorrow being built today here in London. Tyson's been in business for the last two years and we've already seen stars come out of the factory such as Violet Lee, Jim Strider, Alec Realm, Jordan James, the Wavemaker, Kyle Boone, the smartest man in wrestling, Michael Grayson, Cyrus Bowman, Rodney Matthews, and Tyson's own son, Ethan Dukes. Many more of the students of the future are seeing their way to the rings in arenas nearby you. You don't want to miss the production line where you can see the beginnings happening today. On the production line, each and every Friday. Check us out on Facebook or YouTube. I'm Kyle Boone, one handsome SOB, and you're listening to the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. Episode number seven of the NWA Power Show had to be taken down briefly after comments made by Jim Cornette. However, they edited out that comment and reposted the show. So hopefully you got to see what happened on episode number seven. Episode number eight this week was more of a highlight show and uh, sit down than an actual episode of Power. Uh, so it should be interesting to see 
what, how many more episodes, should I say, uh, Jim Cornette is supposed to be involved in before they can totally erase or move forward without Jim Cornette on their TV. Because as we know, we not sure if it was totally Jim Cornette's decision or if it was NWA's decision, but they had parted ways with each other. And yeah, Jim Cornette will no longer be on NWA power. Though NWA is leading up to their first pay-per-view on December 14th called Into the Fire. A couple of matches have been announced for that, including Trevor Murdoch taking on the question mark, Eli Drake going one-on-one against Ken Anderson. There'll be a women's tag team match featuring Allison Kay on one side and Molina on the other. Their partners are yet to be determined. Colt Cabana is going to defend the national title. Plus then in a two or three falls match for the world title, Nick Aldis defends against James Storm. And that's happening at NWA Into the Fire on December 14th. They'll be available on pay-per-view. I'm going to assume also on Fight TV app. So wherever you get your pay-per-views from, you can seek out Into the Fire by NWA on December 14th. This week, Impact Wrestling had a very interesting and non-Impact Wrestling show. All the stars of Impact Wrestling were a part of it, but they presented a sort of their own version of uh, WD Southpaw Regional Wrestling and called it Provincial Wrestling Federation. Their talents were dressed up in different characters and portraying different attitudes. It was definitely a throwback 80s type show. It's well worth uh, checking out, at least if you're a casual fan of Impact Wrestling. You won't want to miss this one. The next time that Impact Wrestling is on pay-per-view will be on January 12th from Dallas, Texas at the Bomb Factory for Hard to Kill. Three matches have been announced already, including Ace Austin defending the X Division Championship in a singles match against Trey Miguel. Brian Cage will go against Rob Van Dam and in a first ever intergender match for the Impact World Championship, Sammy Callahan will defend his newly won Impact Wrestling Championship against the number one contender, Tessa Blanchard. Impact Wrestling could start off the year making history as the first female to hold a major world title in Tessa Blanchard. Now, your debate over what it ranks as for a real-world title could be plausible. And at the same time, though this belt is higher than what the Intercontinental title with China wearing would ever be in comparison if Impact was at its uh, peak. So that's why if we put all titles for major titles on the line equal to each other, Tessa would be potentially the first ever to hold the major title of any organization that was not designated for a woman. And that could all go down on January 12th during Hard to Kill. And before we get to WDE results, let's take a look at what happened at AEW this past week on AEW Dynamite. The show started off with Soldier and Jones welcoming everybody for the greatest night in television history 
as they were doing a Thanksgiving thank you celebration for Le Champion, Chris Jericho. This segment had a lot of uh, throwbacks to uh, the Festival of Friendship that Jericho did with Kevin Owens and WD, along with the This Is Your Life and Birthday celebration that Mankind did for The Rock many years ago. Chris Jericho had a lot of the bubbly, which I guess he's now selling at a little bit bubbly.com. And this is a sparkling wine that he's uh, doing with Stephen Amell from Arrow. Jericho was joined by the inner circle of Jake Hager, Santana Ortiz, and Sammy Guevara. And Sammy Guevara presented a life-size cardboard cutout of the pair hugging. Proud and Powerful presented an assortment of gifts, including their own signature bottle in a brown paper bag of a little bit of the 40. Jake Hager came out with the Chris Jarrett goat as he struggled to get a goat to the ring. And Chris Jericho's own father, NHL player Ted Irvine, presented everybody with New York Rangers jerseys in celebration of Chris, and they insulted the Chicago hockey fans with the Blackhawks. Jericho then had uh, Justin Roberts come over and read an official thank you letter from the AEW Brass, but Jericho didn't like the tone that uh, Justin Roberts was using, and they began slapping him around. That's when three members of the marching band came to the aid of Justin Roberts, and it turned out to be Scorpio Sky, Christopher Daniels, and Frank Kazarian, SCU, in disguise. And this led to everybody getting out of the ring, except for Soul Train Jones, who took the brunt of SCU's aggression. Dasha Gonzalez took the place of Justin Roberts for the rest of the evening doing announcing. And we had our first match of the night with the best friends, Chuck Taylor and Trent accompanied by Orange Cassidy, who was dressed as a turkey, taking on the Lucha Brothers. This was a very short match, and there was a lot of distraction coming from Orange Cassidy and everything. And in the end, Trent ended up rolling up Phoenix for a victory. In women's tag team action, B. Priestley and Emmy Sakura picked up a victory after Sakura hit Chris Statlander with her mic stand. Statlander was teaming up with Hikaru Shida, but that team was not successful as Priestley and Sakura ended up picking the victory. John Moxley was seen in the bowels of the arena and said that it's the call to arms for anybody who wants to step up and be a hero by challenging him to a match, which I'm pretty sure Darby Allen had already done so last week. Cody Rhodes returned to action against a local competitor named Matt Nix. The Chicago faithful knew who Matt Nix was, but myself, I didn't. Uh, Cody ended up making quick work of the match, hitting a cutter off the second uh, rope, and also then getting Nix to tap out to the figure four leg lock. Cody Rhodes ended up getting a microphone to call out MJF for the attack that he had on him and betrayal of his best friend. While that was going on, out from the corner of the ring, coming actually through the actual canvas, was the Butcher and the Blade. 
and they laid Cody out, and they were accompanied by the bunny, which we know is Allie, and fans in this area and of this podcast would definitely know the Butcher and the Blade, Andy Williams and Pepper Parks. So it's interesting that the other day when we were watching Survivor Series over at Gord's house, we ended up mentioning how Pepper surprisingly was not in AEW since Allie was, but now he's there and they seem to be doing a trio with them together. If you happen to look at dirt sheets and stuff, there is a rumor that this is only a first part of a group that's forming with them and that potentially Marty Skrull, if he does decide to go to AEW when his contract with ROH is up this week, he could be another member teaming with the Butcher and Blade and Bunny. Until then, it's just rumor, and we have just the three who are together. Why they attack Cody, not totally sure. We'll hopefully find out as we get to know who the Butcher and Blade are, because I could understand with what happened to Bunny and involving Awesome Kong and Brandy, but Brandy has not been hanging around with Cody. So the plot will thicken. We'll see what happens. In probably the best match of the night, the bastard Pac took on Kenny Omega in a rematch from their all-out match earlier this year. In that one, Pac ended up getting the victory by making Omega tap out. Actually, I believe he may have even passed out for that matter. Um, either way, Pac picked up the victory. In this case, they did sort of 50-50 booking, and Kenny Omega picked up the victory. But it was definitely a match that, if you want to go back and watch something this week, watch that match. The finals for the Dynamite Diamond Ring, which apparently has a price tag of $45,000, happened next. Uh, last week we saw the Battle Royal and it came down to MJF and Hangman Page. So these two were going to go one-on-one to determine the winner of this diamond ring. MJF was accompanied by Wardlow and MJF tried to use the referee to distract and protect himself from Hangman Page. At one point, Page had hit the buckshot lariat and was going to get the victory but Wardlow ended up putting MJF's foot on the rope getting the rope break with the referee distracted Wardlow ended up sucker punching hangman MJF then hit a really weak version of the crossroads and pinned hangman to be the first winner of the diamond ring Diamond Dallas Page came out to present it and they had a confrontation but before Page could do anything to MJF, especially since he has a close relationship with Cody. Wardlow got in the way, and people were separated, and that was the end of that segment. I'm not sure where this is going with that. Like That whole segment didn't really have much of a payoff, unless it's to eventually get Cody the ring when he gets his revenge on MJF for turning on him, and then the ring can be properly presented to him by his mentor, Diamond Dallas Page. I don't know what else the outcome could be, because there was no real payoff. Dustin Rhodes was interviewed in the middle of the ring by Jen Decker, and Dustin uh, said that 
Jake Hager broke his arm, and the Hager wasn't the same man he used to be, referencing his WWE persona. Santana Ortiz and Sammy Guevara all came out to attack Dustin, and the Young Bucks came to the aid of Dustin with a pair of super kicks and a big boot to the inner circle. That set up a tag team match for next week. We saw another vignette with the Dark Order as they're now doing a meeting, and the guy who was beat up or bullied at the subway station has now made his way there. Uh, they were showing Stu Grayson as the example of how you can improve yourself. And so there's more depth to the Dark Order. The May event saw Scorpio Sky challenge Chris Jericho for the AEW Championship. And Jericho was able to apply the Lion Tamer a few times to Sky, which caused Sky to tap out. As the show was coming to an end, Jericho continued to keep Sky in the Lion Tamer for a third time, but John Moxley's music hit and Moxley walked down the arena steps and stared at Jericho, causing Jericho to stop dead in his tracks, and Jericho held up the AEW title and pointed at Moxley. And that's how the uh, show ended this week. We still don't know when a, another pay-per-view is coming for AEW. We do know that in January they're supposed to be doing a Bash at the Beach a titled special uh, from Miami on uh, one of the AEW episodes. They're also going to be doing a episode on the Jericho Cruise, but I guess the next pay-per-view probably won't be happening until probably February, which would be a wise decision for them, right in between the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, so they can pick up where WWE kind of get, has a little bit of weaker pay-per-view with uh, the Elimination Chamber, even though that is part of the road to WrestleMania, but it would be a great opportunity for AEW to pick up some eyes on that one. Shock Stock 2020 is New Earth's biggest pop culture expo and film festival. The real end is near as the outside world falls into chaos Word of a sanctuary for mutants, freaks, goblins, and geeks spread throughout the land. Three days of thrills and chills. With screenings, panels, celebrities, workshops, interactive fun, vendors, all-nighter parties, and more. Stay tuned for guest announcements and more info. You hear the rumble in here? The rumble is the sound of progression and fundamentals are being made at the Wrestling Factory. This is Tyson Dukes, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast, y'all. Now let's take a look back at everything that happened this past weekend in WWE. It was actually a really good Saturday and Sunday with NXT War Games happening on Saturday night and Survivor Series happening the following night. I guess the excitement with everything happening involving NXT helped with the excitement. It all came to us from Chicago, Illinois, or Rosemont, at the Allstate Arena. Started off with NXT War Games takeover on Saturday. The pre-show had Isaiah Swerve Scott facing off against Angel Garza. Garza hit a wing clipper to Scott to pick up the victory. After the match, 
though backstage, Leo Rush had attacked Angel Garza. Plus, we also saw backstage that Mia Yim was attacked by an unknown assailant and was ruled unable to compete in war games. Rhea Ripley chose Dakota Kai as her replacement. The main show started off with the first ever women's war games match, and this involved Rhea Ripley's team of Rhea Ripley, Candice LeRae, Tegan Knox, and now Dakota Kai, taking on Team Baszler, which was NXT Women's Champion Shayna Baszler, Bianca Belair, Io Shirai, and NXT UK Champion Kaylee Ray. The match started off with Io Shirai and Candice LeRae for their respective teams, and this was for the first five-minute period. Shayna Baszler's team had won the advantage in a ladder match two weeks earlier on NXT, and they were able to send in Bianca Belair next. Rhea Ripley went in for her team to even up the odds. And then the third member of Shannon Bezer's team, Kaylee Ray, was entered in. When it came time for their third member of Rhea Ripley's team to come in, it was Dakota Kai. But instead of going to the ring, she turned around and attacked Tegan Knox, which is actually her tag team partner and good friend. But she destroyed uh, Tegan Knox's leg, which was uh, just coming back from injury on. She took her knee brace and was escorted out of the arena area. And that took out D- Dakota Kai from the match. And because Tegan Knox was now down, Rhea Ripley only had herself and Candice LeRae, while Shayna Baszler stood in her cage laughing her head off. Then she got to enter the ring. This made War Games a 4-on-2 advantage for the heels. At one point, Shannon Baszler tried to uh, handcuff Rhea Ripley to the ropes, but only got the handcuffs on Rhea's right wrist and was not able to complete the handcuffing. As the match was winding down to its climax, Io Shirai was on top of the cage and hit a moonsault but it took out not only her target, Candice LeRae, but it took out her own partner, Bianca Belair. So those three were down. Then, Rhea Ripley was able to take out Kaylee Ray with a garbage can. With Ripley distracted, Baszler snuck up behind her and hit the graffiti clutch onto Ripley. But Ripley was smart enough to end up cuffing herself to Shayna Baszler. With Baszler totally stunned she was put into the riptide through two chairs despite being down two people Rhea Ripley was able to pick up the victory by pinning Shayna Baszler and even though also Knox and Kai were announced as part of the winning team but it technically was Rhea Ripley and Candice LeRae picking up the victory four on two in war games Next up was a three-way match with Pete Dunne, Damian Priest, and Killian Dane all battling against each other to become the number one contender for the NXT Championship, which would be then defended the following night by Adam Cole at Survivor Series. Pete Dunne ended up picking up the victory by pinning Damian Priest. For the up next was a match between Finn Balor and Matt Riddle. It was a decent match, but in the end, Balor hit the 1916 on Riddle to pick up the victory. That followed up with the main event, which was Team Choppa 
Tomasa Ciampa, Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic, and an unknown partner facing off against the Undisputed Era, Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, and Roderick Strong in war games. Ciampa and Strong began the match for the five-minute period. Undisputed Era, shockingly enough, had the advantage as they uh, won that the week before. And so Riley entered, followed by Dijakovic. Bobby Fish was next, Keith Lee, and then finally Adam Cole. Ciampa uh, pushed Cole through a table as he was getting a bunch of tables into the ring. And... They had no idea who the final partner was going to be when the timer was up. Undisputed Era stood there laughing their head off that there was nobody coming. Next thing you know, Kevin Owens' music starts, and he was revealed as the unknown partner. And it kind of made sense since Undisputed Era had attacked him the week before on Monday Night Raw when Triple H was trying to recruit him over to NXT. Owens hit a stunner on Adam Cole, but that pin was blocked by Roderick Strong. Cole then uh, hit a Pema Sunrise on the steel platform on Owens. Dijakovic hit a chokeslam through a table on Roderick Strong. Owens hit a frog splash through a table on Kyle O'Reilly. And Keith Lee hit his uh, super spirit bomb through a table on Bobby Fish. Ciampa then hit an air raid off the top of the cage through two tables with Adam Cole and pinned him for the victory. Overall, NXT War Games was a really good event, and it could have been main evented by the women for how good that match was as well. So it's good that this was bookmarked by two War Games matches. It could have been overwhelming having two on the same show, but I don't think it was. Um, there was a good two matches in between to take you back down and build you back up for the men's four games. And then we finally figured out who was going to be representing NXT, who wasn't uh, severely damaged from this event, as they needed to ha throw in two teams to go against Raw and SmackDown in traditional Survivor Series matches. And that happened on Sunday. Hello. Do you or someone you know have a business that you'd love to have advertised here on our podcast? Well, give me a shout at our email address, scumbagswrestling at gmail.com, and let us know how we can help you advertise to the listeners of this podcast. We'll give your business a shout-out, including information on how people can reach out to you and information on your services. I'm Joshua Pine, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. So Sunday night back in Rosemont, Illinois, at the former Rosemont Horizons, the Allstate Center, or Allstate Arena in Chicago, was Survivor Series this year. All the major titles from both all three brands were on the line in singles matches, but the rest of the matches were going to be triple threat matches representing Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. Two of the matches were going to be elimination style, and the rest were going to be all champions versus champions. So let's get to the action, and we'll see what happens.
There are three matches on the uh, kickoff show. The first was an all-tag team battle royal, and each brand had three different uh, tag teams representing them. The final two teams in the matchup were the Street Profits, along with uh, former tag team champions Ziggler and Rude, and Ziggler and Rude got rid of the Street Profits, giving SmackDown their first point of the night. In the second pre-show match, NXT's Leo Rush defended the NXT Cruiserweight Championship against Raw's Akira Tozawa and SmackDown's Kalisto. In the end, Rush hit a final hour on Kalisto to retain the title, giving NXT their first point. The last match of the pre-show was a nine-title triple threat match involving the tag teams of each brand. Raw was represented by the Viking Raiders, SmackDown was the New Day, NXT was the Undisputed Era with Fish and O'Reilly. In the end, the Viking Raiders hit the Viking Experience on O'Reilly, onto Fish, and pinned Fish to give Raw their first point. So going into the main card, each team had a point each, meaning Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. The actual pay-per-view started off with the women's 5-on-5-on-5 five on five on five Survivor Series elimination traditional match. And Team Raw was represented by Charlotte, Natalia, Sarah Logan, and the tag team champions Asuka and Carrie Zane. Team SmackDown had Sasha Banks, Carmella, Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans, and Nikki Cross. And NXT was represented by Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair, Candice LeRae, Io Shirai, and Tony Storm. Of course, some of these ladies went against each other just the night before in war games, but had to put all their differences aside to represent their brand. Now, I could go through all the details of who got eliminated by who and in what order, but that might take a little while. Let's just say that some teams didn't get along with each other, and at one point, Io Shirai and Candice Ray were taken out during a brawl with everybody, and they were made fun of by the other Raw and SmackDown uh, competitors. However, the last laugh came with NXT because it was down to Rhea Ripley and Candice LeRae and Io Shirai came back and ended up distracting Sasha Banks and Ripley picked up the victory for NXT. And so that gave NXT two points on the night with Raw and SmackDown having only one. Backstage, Seth Rollins questioned Kevin Owens' loyalty to Raw since he appeared as part of Team NXT. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa's team, shall I say, for War Games the night before, but he promised Rollins that he was loyal to Raw and that the other night was just a payback for Undisputed Era attacking him on Raw. Up next was a triple threat with the mid-card champions, and so Rob was represented with the United States champion AJ Styles, SmackDown with the Intercontinental champion Shinsuke Nakamura, and NXT with the North American champion Roderick Strong. I actually expected AJ Styles to pick up this one, but in the end, it was actually Roderick Strong who snuck out a victory by pinning Nakamura for the victory. At this point, NXT was up to now three points. The first title match was up next, with Adam Cole defending the NXT Championship against Pete Dunne, who had won the number one contendership the night before. 
Really good match between the two of them, but Cole ended up hitting the last shot to the back of Pete Dunne's head and retained the title. The next matchup was SmackDown World Championship match with The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, defending the Universal Championship against Dana Bryan. Bryan hit a bunch of running knees on The Fiend for near falls, and he even hit the yes kicks consecutive times of missile drop kicks, and that still was enough to keep The Fiend down. Brian went back up to the top, but The Fiend caught Brian with mandible claw for the submission, and The Fiend retained the universal title. Impossibly a bad booking decision, in my own personal opinion. The next match was the men's 5-on-5-on-5 five on five on five elimination match. This one probably could have been the main event, as opposed to it being stuck at this point, but this is what we got. And Team Raw was represented by Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens, Randy Orton, and Ricochet. Team SmackDown had Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, Baron Corbin, Mustafa Ali, and Shorty G. And the NXT team, which was announced only during the kickoff show, had Tommaso Ciampa, Damian Priest, Matt Riddle, Keith Lee, and UK champion Walter. Once again, these teams could not get along with each other as teammates were costing each other victories. He had Roman Reigns setting up Baron Corbin for elimination, even though it was his own team mate. In the end, it came down to a three-way with Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, being represented by Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, and Keith Lee. Surprisingly, Lee was able to eliminate uh, Seth Rollins, but then it came down to uh, Reigns and Lee. Lee hit a spirit bomb on Reigns, which looked really good, but it wasn't enough to pin him. Lee then attempted a moonsault, but Reigns avoided Lee and hit a spear for the win and became the sole survivor for Team SmackDown, giving them their second point of the night. So it was now two points SmackDown, three points NXT, and one for Raw. After the match, Reigns and Lee showed each other respect and that definitely was a good rub with Lee getting to be in the ring with both former S.H.I.E.L.D. members. Up next, oddly enough then, was the Raw World Champion Brock Lesnar with Paul Heyman by his side defending against Rey Mysterio in a holds barred match. Mysterio had his pipe with him but it didn't really come into play much. Mysterio even got suplexed onto the the pipe itself, right at the small of his back, kind of crushed, so I'm not sure how much of a pipe it really was. Um, but either way, he landed right there on it. Wasn't a good look. Dominic tried to come down and throw in the towel. I think they were almost doing tongue-in-cheek uh, insult of AEW with MJF doing it for Cody, but Brock wouldn't allow it to happen. Then he got a couple of low blows from both Ray and Dominic. Dominic and Ray did a double 619. They hit double frog splashes onto Brock. Could not uh, keep the beast down. They went to airborne again. Dominic got taken care of. Ray got caught in midair, hit with an F5, and Brock retained the WWE Championship by pinning Ray Mysterio. The final match of the night was the women's non-title triple threat match featuring the 
champions from all brands. Raw had Becky Lynch, SmackDown with Bailey, and NXT with Shannon Baszler. This, unfortunately, I think was in a bad place. Not all the time do the women have to finish an event. It's great if there you can go into a storyline with it, but not everything has to deal with that. I would have been okay with this event being bookended with elimination matches since it was Survivor Series. The crowd was really out of it. These three women didn't really gel too well. And in the end, Bailey was about to drop the, her elbow off the top rope. And Baszler caught her with the Kafita clutch. And Bailey tapped out. At that point, actually, Becky was over in the table area. So she was out of the match. And when Baszler tried to celebrate, Becky ended up going after her and destroying Shayna Baszler didn't matter while Becky Lynch did stand tall at the end of the night holding her belt and proving she is the man in the end NXT had picked up four points and they had brand supremacy for this year Tyson Dukes is currently one half of the Smash Wrestling Tag Team Champions and one of the pillars of wrestling in Ontario. He's had a very impressive career over the past two decades, and it's only natural that aspiring wrestlers would want to learn from a veteran of his caliber. Since October 2017, Tyson opened up the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory here in London, Ontario. Students learn all aspects of wrestling. The first graduates like Jim Strider, Violet Lee, and Jordan James are making their names for themselves on the indie scene. Whether you're a student or a supporter, you can now be a part of the club and purchase your own beautiful zip-up hoodie. They're just $40 up to extra-large and $45 for larger sizes. Contact Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory directly on Facebook to order yours today. This is Sting Bassey. You're listening to the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. I'm not going to go through all the results for the this week's shows, but safe to say, with the Survivor Series being over, all three brands went back to being just their own brand. No special invasions by anybody. And so we sort of get a reset and going forward with each brand as their own entity. So looking at Raw, the show opened with Seth Rollins addressing the locker room who were surrounding the ring. Rollins seems to have gone heel mode here and he criticized everybody for their performance or lack of the night before. He singled out Charlotte Flair for not leading the women, Randy Orton for having his issues on the team and not being a team member, and Rey Mysterio for not winning the championship from Brock Lesnar. He also signaled out AOP for not participating at all in the Battle Royal. This pretty much ticked everybody off, and everybody gradually walked out on him. Owens was the only one left, and Seth Rollins addressed him. He again questioned the loyalty of Kevin Owens to Raw, and accused Owens of leastly trying to be like himself. In response, Owens hit a stunner on uh, Rollins and later challenged him to a match. During 
that match, AOP entered the ring. Owens uh, ended up going after Akam, resulting in AOP attacking Owens, and that match ended in disqualification. AOP then turned their attention to Rollins, who was ready to fight, but they instead left the ring. Rollins then hit two stops on Owens, and yeah, like I said, it pretty much was teasing a heel turn if it hadn't already happened with the way he was addressing people before. You never know. There could be a uh, new Shield-ish faction happening with AOP and Seth Rollins. Also on Raw, the United States Championship was supposed to be defended with AJ Styles going against Humberto Carrillo, but the OC attacked him. So instead, there was a four-way match involving Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton, and Rey Mysterio to become the new number one contender. Rey Mysterio won that one and went into a fatal uh, into a singles match with AJ Styles and picked up the victory with a little help from Orton. And so now Rey Mysterio is the new United States champion. He celebrated with Dominic and he basically said if it wasn't for Dominic, he wouldn't be where he is now. And then due to events that happened with Charlotte and Oscar, with Oscar spraying Charlotte with mist at Survivor Series, they had a matchup between each other. And Oscar once again hit Charlotte with the mist, with the referee distracted, and Flair was pinned. So that was basically the highlights for Raw. Over on SmackDown, Roman Reigns opened up the show. He basically thanked his team except for Baron Corbin and called him out. Corbin claimed that it was because of him that SmackDown won and that Reigns had betrayed his team when Reigns caused Corbin's elimination. Reigns then challenged Corbin to a match. Corbin... The, didn't want to do it. Instead, had Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode come down, and Robert Roode challenged Reigns instead. Reigns won this match, and there was another brawl after it. We had a number of segments with Universal Champion The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, as he was basically antagonizing Daniel Bryan and wanting to, to continue playing. We got introduced to a new version of the championship with the fiend's face on it they're being sold for a ridiculous amount i think it saw $6,500 plus tax crazy and i guess that belt would be worn by the fiend when he is there but the regular universal title would be with nice bray when he's doing the funhouse i'm not sure what's going on with it it's kind of weird. Um, they teased that they were going to introduce a new person or member of the Funhouse. From what I saw, that didn't happen. But in the end, Dana Bryan was in the ring to finish off the night. And he accepted the challenge to go after Bray Wyatt and the Universal title again. That's when Bray came up from under the ring through a hole, dragged Bryan down. And the last images we saw, other than the fiend laughing and in his red light, was that there was clumps of hair being thrown from the hole. 
So one would assume that Daniel Bryan might be changing his look up again. And if he's not bald or clean shaven, I would be surprised. There should be at least clumps of hair I'm going to go with missing at the very least. And we'll see what happens with that. Sasha and Bailey also insulted the SmackDown women for not winning anything and basically said that the women's division on SmackDown is horrible. Lacey Evans stood up to them and hit Sasha Banks with women's right. Over on NXT, there was a uh, big celebration that got interrupted by Undisputed Era. Cole said the only reason NXT won was due to their stable, meaning the Undisputed Era. Chopper reminded Cole that it was his team that defeated Undisputed Era at War Games. And he said that he was going to go after the title and nobody was going to stand in their way. That's when Finn Balor came out and he said he stood in the way of that happening. In response, there was a Ciampa versus Finn Balor match. Balor ended up defeating Tommaso Ciampa as Cole was celebrating... Balor hit the Pele kick on Cole and was the last one standing. Leo Rush had defeated Akira Tozawa to retain the NXT Cruiserweight Championship and also Rhea Ripley confronted Shayna Baszler, which confronted her uh, or complimented her on beating the Raw and SmackDown champions at Survivor Series, but reminded her that she defeated her at War Games and issued a challenge for the Women's Championship. So, like I said, things are back to normal. Everybody's on their own respective brands and building towards either TLC for Raw and SmackDown, the next war, I mean, the next takeover is happening in February for NXT, but then in NXT's case, they might be just building towards the Royal Rumble. They're sure to be a part of that. Thank you once again for joining me on this week's edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. We'll be back next week with more news and information, results, and upcoming calendar dates. Be sure to subscribe to us on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And be sure to join me each and every Friday as I stop by the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory for editions of the production line. You can catch us on our Facebook page or our YouTube channel. Until next time, have a great week. Granted, I understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Just